This is Digital Health Today, episode 35. We have a, a, a rich history of, of building, of pharmaceutical companies, building solutions, building services for patients, for doctors, whatever, but really not considering or not putting the end user at the heart of what they do. You know, one of my favorite quotes is, it's not building with, for patients, it's building with patients. That, and that's at the heart of, of Fjordian thinking, to create, you know, with humans right at the center of what you do. Welcome to Digital Health Today, the podcast focused on the leaders, innovators, and technologies transforming healthcare today and tomorrow. Find us online at digitalhealthtoday.com. This episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible is offering a free audiobook download and a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. With over 180,000 titles to choose from, you're sure to find something you'd like. Enjoy your free audiobook and 30-day free trial courtesy of Audible. Sign up today at digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash free. Hello and welcome back. This is Digital Health Today, the place to be to get the insights of leaders working to make the healthcare of tomorrow available today. I'm your host, Dan Kendall, and this is episode 35. In this episode, I spoke with John Pugh. John is the health and life science team leader for Accenture. He describes himself as 100% digital innovator and wholly committed to transforming the life science and healthcare industry. He's here to tell us what he and his colleagues are working on in the fields of artificial intelligence, analytics, blockchain, innovation, and more. We also dive into the program he's heading called the Health Tech Innovation Challenge and how startups and corporations can participate and benefit. We also talk about some of the information and resources that Accenture has produced and made available to businesses and organizations of all sizes. Before we jump into that, I just wanted to give a couple of quick reminders. This episode is going live on July 25th, which means that we're five days into the industry access period of the brand new .health domain extension. As a benefit for members of our digital health community, the company behind .health has set up a special access page where you can get accelerated access to the .health domain you need. To learn more about this and what it means for your organization, take a listen to episode 33, where I spoke with Jen Lannon of .health. And check out the show notes with a link to the accelerated access, and you can find that link on digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 33. Just to clarify, we don't receive any royalties or payments if you do decide to purchase a .health domain, but I did want to make sure to remind you about this important opportunity to get a unique address for you and your business on the web. Also, we did set up our own site on the .health domain to showcase the various digital health companies and solutions that exist around the world. Head over to today.health and set up your profile to add your product or service to our website and connect with the people who can use your product. Speaking of connecting with people, let me tell you more about today's guest. As I mentioned, John Pugh is the health and life science team leader at Accenture, and he's based in the Global Center for Innovation in Dublin, Ireland. John started his career in the music business and got involved in the tech scene when he joined a startup in 2000. He's here to share his perspective on collaboration, innovation, and how creativity can thrive in a constrained and regulated environment. He also shares some insights into the Health Tech Innovation Challenge and how it can help startups and corporates shape the future of health through collaboration. Now, I do need to apologize slightly for the audio quality in this episode. I always strive to provide good quality recordings, but as in all things, technology occasionally comes up short. John and I covered some great insights on this call, and because of the time-sensitive nature of the Health Tech Innovation Challenge, the application deadline is September 1st, we didn't have time to re-record the entire episode. So, Please bear with the audio quality on this call, and I'll continue to provide high-quality audio on future episodes. As always, you can get all the notes and links from the show on the website. Just visit digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 35, and you'll find the links to the resources Accenture has made available free of charge, as well as some videos of John and some of the companies he's mentioned that are from the Startup Health Festival held in San Francisco in January 2017. 
While you're on the website, please take a moment to join our digital health community, and I can't wait to welcome you there. Now let's tune into the conversation with John Pugh. John, thanks very much for joining me, and welcome to the program. Happy to be here. Thanks very much. John, I've given the listeners a little bit of background. Can you tell me a little bit more about your personal journey that got you to where you are today? Absolutely, yeah. Going way, way back, uh, I started off my career about seven or eight years as a, a working in the music industry. So I was a music journalist and a radio presenter and an A&R scout. And then from there, that kind of evolved into working at a tech startup company, which was largely because I, I started writing for a couple of online publications and that kind of got me into the internet and uh, I, was, I was touting for work and uh, stumbled across one of my friends who were from school who set up a startup company. This was back in 1999, so this was the first wave of uh, startups. We weren't even called startups back then. We just called uh, it was new media companies. Um, and that lasted until about 2002, during which time, um, and that was a company called Do You, which was all about consumer reviews, consumer opinions. This is, you know, pre predated Amazon. And so back then, you know, the thought of people actually, you know, writing reviews about products and services was borderline crazy. And le we learned, you know, learned so much about online marketing, SEO, price comparison engines. We, we developed a price comparison engine, all sorts of different things like that. And so when that, when we, when we ran out of money, I was looking around and uh, just applying for a bunch of different jobs. And uh, one of them was a pharmaceutical company based down in Bracknell who were just looking for someone to help them figure out how to use the internet. And so I went in there and met a wonderful guy called John Hearson, who shared a similar background in terms of, you know, very passionate about music. And I, I, you know, I instantly got a rapport going with him. And, um, and that, was, that was my introduction to Pharma. So um, that was Boehringer. I ended up being there for 13 years. So 13 years later, here I am at Accenture. I've uh, been here almost two years. I think it's really interesting when people start in something that's completely outside of healthcare and come to it, especially with a journey like you've taken from music to a uh, price comparison site. And I think it's great to talk about what the internet and what the world was like before we had Amazon and you know Yelp and all sorts of ways to, to access information about what's, uh, what's happening around the world. What yeah. was that experience like when you were at Do You? What were some of the challenges you guys were facing back in the early days of the interwebs? And what did you learn from that experience? Well, my role was director of content, so I was, I was responsible for all the content on the website and the community. And back then, you know, the concept of community was, 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 was a new thing, really, for the, for the Internet. There was no rule book. There was no real sort of you know, prescribed way that you would deal with it. But what I learned from there, in, and it's, in a way, it was kind of a precursor for social media in that, you know, we, we responded to the community. Um, there was a two-way thing. We invited the community into the offices and we used to have meetups with them and uh, we learn as much from them as, as I guess, you know, they, they did from, from using the site. That was the focus and to respond to them, to build the site that was uh, met their requirements was something that evolved over the few years that we did do you. And it was, it was a pretty rewarding uh, experience, the whole thing. And, and, it, and I think that those couple of years set me up really, uh, my entire career, really, throughout pharma, to appreciate the power of community and the importance of listening to, you know, the end user, which in this case were, you know, a couple of hundred thousand people who wanted to review products and services in a way that they'd never had access or been able to before. 
You mentioned that you're a musician. We have a lot of guests that come here from a technical or a medical or research background, but not a lot that have a creative background like you have. How do you think your experience as a creative has shaped your path in health innovation? Um, I definitely think it has because I've never, the early, especially in the early years of working in a life science company, I didn't come from the same background. People generally came from a scientific background and, and I always approached things in a completely different way. They would say chaotic and disorganized, whereas, you know, I approached it in my own way, um, which was, you know, much more of a creative kind of way, which I think is now more acceptable. And, and you know, things like approaching restriction and, and uh, the way that we do things as a source of creativity and, and innovation rather than as a barrier, I think is typical for, you know, a more of a, someone who's got more of a creative, creative learning. Um, and also, I always try to approach things in a slightly different kind of way. So, for example, when, you know, when, when I did social media, it was done in a, in a visual and creative way, which was completely different to anything, you know, that, that pharma traditionally would come up with. What about your BI experience at Boehringer? What were you doing there? You said you were teaching them how to use the Internet. What were some of the things that you got involved with and some of the challenges that farmers were experiencing as they tried to grapple with this thing, I guess, both internally in terms of their systems and communication, but also externally with uh, with clients and customers and, and users? Yeah, it changed. I mean, it's changed massively over the years that I worked at, at Boehringer and as I moved from, you know, different areas. So starting off in, in Bracknell, working in the communications department, it was to advise them really on, on how to use the Internet. Um, this is pre pre mobile. How to use the internet to reach to reach their target customer, which in those days was was doctors. You know, the patient didn't didn't come into it really. And I had conversations where the number of times I heard, but doctors don't use the internet. So many times, um, you need to be pretty resilient. And then also from there, then um, really engaging with the community of physicians through a company called DoctorsNet and coming up with a pretty innovative way to use doctors now. The challenge we were, I was facing was the, the commercial organization had, was dabbling, uh, this is about 2006, 2007, were dabbling with, with physician communities and, and I passionately believe that they could do so much more and so we entered into a risk share deal with Doctors Net whereby we did a profit split with them. So I managed to persuade Boeing to give me um, a product which didn't have any marketing or sales support around it, but was still uh, hadn't gone, you know, hadn't gone generic. Built a bunch of, of materials with Doctors Net. Again, you know, they used their knowledge of the community and understanding exactly what doctors wanted. And it was things like uh, links to the Department of Health guidelines for cardiovascular products. It was, um, you know, it wasn't all just product information. And uh, that was amazingly successful. And we reached, I think it was like 27,000 positions over the year and increased sales by over 10%. And it was, it was amazingly successful. And it ended up winning the um, PM Society Award for some digital thing in, in the UK. So that was, that was really interesting. And then from there, moving to the head office in Germany and really kicking off their social media strategy. You know, it was something that I wanted to do in the UK, but wasn't able to. Um, I needed to do it at head office and had the opportunity to go there and work with some wonderful people in Germany. I learned so much about leadership there as well. As they, you know, they, they kind of gave me just enough rope so I wouldn't hang myself. 
and uh, we we did social media, which to this day I think Boeing is still pretty well known for having a a very a progressive, uh, open and and good social media strategy. So, what was it about the opportunity that at Accenture that enticed you to leave Boeinger and go across to them? Um, I've been there thirteen years, and it was the opportunity to work, you know, uh, across different with different industry, different clients, and different industries as well. So, I, you know, I was quite passionate. I wanted to see what other companies were doing, and also, I had a, uh, my third child was born with a condition called Cornelia de Lange syndrome, and um, she was born in Germany. And she was, she got to the age of two and it was pretty clear that she needed more support than, than we could give her really in Germany. And so I wanted to move back to the UK, didn't really want to move back to, to Boeing or in the UK in a, in a, in a kind of reduced role. So, um, decided to look around and Accenture were fantastic. They, they ticked all the boxes. And I, you know, at first I was thinking Accenture, you know, with those suits and ties and PowerPoint slides, which were full of charts and information and not really the kind of thing I wanted to do but I met a guy called Mark Prince who um, had won the PM Society Award the year before me back in the day and he was he, he, he persuaded me you know that Accenture were actually going through their own digital transformation and pivoting to, to digital and, and really uh, when going to visit them and seeing the work that they were doing uh, convinced me that it was it was the right company that I needed to go and work for. Well, John, I've never seen you in a tie, and uh, you've been with Accenture for almost two years, so you've definitely been able to put that myth to rest that Accenture is not all suits and ties and PowerPoint presentations. So Accenture is one of the top 10 consultancies in the world. It's probably in the top five and you know the top one in various categories. It's been 14 consecutive years in Fortune's list of the world's most admired companies. You're in 120 countries, over 120 countries, and you work in over 40 in- industries. We're going to dive into the details of the health tech focus that you're leading, but what can you tell us about Accenture Life Sciences practice broadly? I mean, what about the the business overall, about how Life Sciences fits into Accenture as a business? Like I said, Accenture has gone through their own digital pivot. Uh, we call it rotating to the new. And Life Sciences is definitely one of those industries where there's a huge amount of opportunity for our clients to, to pivot to the new as well, to rotate to the new. And if you think about the work that, that we're doing with Open Innovation and the Health Tech Challenge, which we'll talk about shortly, I think, so you'll, you'll hear that we're really, we're really sort of leading the way, if you like, in, in helping our clients, which is basically all of the top pharmaceutical companies, with their innovation agenda, either through working with startups or through the work that we're doing here in Ireland at the dock, where we're exploring and using new technologies such as, you know, uh, artificial intelligence, blockchain, cybersecurity. And we really uh, are, I think, have an appetite and a license from the organization as well to to be cutting edge and and innovative and, and help, you know, lead our clients forward. That's something which I really, you know, value. I didn't want to work for a company which wasn't doing that. I didn't want to kind of throw away all the work and all the achievements that I'd done in the past, I wanted to make sure that the company that I worked for, I had the license to be able to do that. How does Accenture define digital health? And do they actually have a separate definition for it? Or do they use it interchangeably with health tech? Um, I think we use it interchangeably with health tech. I think our view of digital is more about the culture uh, as much as anything. So digital for us represents change, uh, flexibility, agility, and it's, in, it's 
are made possible by technical, technological advances like you know, cloud-based computing. So, for example, we have a coalition of companies where we provide cloud facilities for them, which is not just you know, the ability to, to um, use the cloud, but it's very secure cloud-based services with, with functionality in there for both research development and clinical operations. And that's an example. So it's not sort of something we, we just sell company to company. It's, some, it's a coalition that we, that we created and led, um, and they basically own it, and we just now facilitate it for them. So it can be as broad as cloud-based, um, uh, as broad as working with Viva, for which we've implemented just about every single uh, Viva system um, for all the pharmaceutical companies, right away through to open innovation, running innovation workshops. Um, we've just done something with Biogen around quantum computing, which is in the public domain. So we, we managed to book time on a quantum computer and help them with their drug discovery um, endeavors. So it's massively broad. It's massively broad. So you mean that the, the term health tech is massively broad? Digital health. Digital health is massively broad. Health tech for us is, when we talk about health tech, we're really talking about healthcare technology. We use it specifically really with, with the whole startup landscape. Um, and so our health tech challenge is really about identifying those startups that we can match up and combine with our clients to help solve their problems, to help solve industry problems. And we, you know, we're the facilitator in that. Our role is really, is really to match up the, uh, the, those two worlds. So to go back, we've been asked by several clients, you know, as to how they could work with startups. Can we help facilitate some, some different, um, some engagements with them? And really looking back at our value proposition is really to, um, to help startups reach those decision makers, which is something which I think is, is pretty unique to Accenture in the depth of, of contact that they have within, within client organizations. And so that's really what we try and bring to the game really is, is to help startups reach those parts of the organization that they have to reach in order to instigate true change. And then when, where necessary, plug in and, and add and to eliminate some of the risks that um, may be involved with working with startups that is perceived by the, uh, by the life science companies. John, tell me what Accenture is actually doing then with your clients to help them integrate technology and transform their businesses into new ways of working. So we have client teams that work in most of the large pharmaceutical companies. And at the end of the day, essentially their job is to help clients articulate problems and find solutions for those problems. And we have uh, 101 different ways in which we can surface and, and solve for those problems. Um, we have something which we call the innovation architecture, which is a number of different services, whether that's uh, Accenture Research. We have open innovation, which is our venture capital um, side of things. We have delivery centers, which is about scaling and industrializing. We have uh, our labs, which is about experimenting with new types of technology. And we have the bit that I work in, which, is, which are our innovation centers. And our innovation centers uh, are specifically designed to work with clients to identify or uh, to solve for those problems. And we do that through design thinking methodologies, largely. And we use a number of we use a number of different methodologies, but it's largely design thinking. We use some Google 
processes as well. And um, and and those are done, all done out of uh, where I work. It's done out of a place called the Dock, which is in Ireland, which is a new purpose-built innovation center. And we run we run client workshops, client sessions, and and what we we do is we we really try and like I said articulate the problem and design solutions around there, which may result in technology solutions that we build. It may result in process is that are changed. It may just be about changing the way that our clients and companies think. And it may be about introducing them to new ideas that exist in other industries. So Accenture works across all those different industries and very often it's about innovations. Innovation as a definition is just as much about applying ideas from other industries, from other parts of the world into you know your current your current industry or current business and that's just as strong as trying to come up with new ideas as well john i i was going through some of the uh, different resources and and tools that were available on the accenture website i found a great article i'm going to make sure i include a link to it on the show notes for this episode on episode 35 that is the digital health technology vision for 2017 and it goes through a variety of different things that uh, that accenture sees happening um, what other great resources, what, are, what other places uh, on the web can we find some of the materials that Accenture is making available? Yeah, there's loads in, on the, uh, on our, just through our website. We've got patient surveys uh, on there. We've got the Fjord Trends, which is a really good trend analysis from our design thinking uh, in-house agency. Well, yeah, uh, it's, a, it's their own entity called Fjord. We've got the Tech Vision, which you mentioned. And uh, we've got lots of different points of views. So we have all sorts of different strategy papers ranging from how to calculate the ROI of, of a particular, of a digital initiative, you know, right the way through to uh, patient services uh, questionnaire, you know, what are patient services, what are companies doing on it? That's, you know, there's just so much information that is pumped out by this company. It's incredible. Yep, and you mentioned Fjord, that's F-J-O-R-D. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about how they work? You mentioned that they're sort of a standalone entity. How do they work and what sort of benefits does that bring to your clients as you're working through some of these problems? Yeah, well, Fjord are part of our Accenture Interactive Group, which is really our experience, our design, design uh, digital experience group, of which I'm part of. And they have such a strong brand, such a fresh way of thinking that we wanted to, you know, when, when they were acquired, we wanted to keep that inte- integrity of that together. So they remain as Fjord and they have their Fjord offices. In the dock where I work, they're part of the dock as well. So there's a few, uh, quite a large Fjord team here. And, um, and in much the same way um, that you have other design thinking agencies out there that you can probably think of, they're, 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 they're up there with the, with the big ones. Um, and really, it's they, they, they're about the big thing is, is, you know, design thinking, putting humans at the center of everything that you design, because, you know, you can design technology and systems. But at the end of the day, it's humans that are using it and humans that are interacting with it. And if, it's, if you don't place them right at the center of what you do, then um, not only does it, 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 it's not only going to be less efficient, it actually doesn't work. So this is particularly relevant to the life sciences industry, I think, historically, where, where we have a, a, a rich history of, of building, of pharmaceutical companies, building solutions, building services for patients, for doctors, whatever, but really not considering or not putting the end user at the heart of what they do. So the big, you know, one of my favorite quotes is, you know, it's, it's, um, 
It's not building for patients, it's building with patients. That, and that's at the heart of, of Fjordian thinking, to create, you know, with humans right at the center of what you do. We'll get right back to the interview, but first I wanted to tell you about our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Audible.com. I know you love audio, so I partnered up with Audible to get you started with a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash free. Audible has audio recordings of over 180,000 books so that you and I can enjoy them when we're on the go. And let me tell you, this isn't a half-stocked catalog of classic literature. This is the latest and greatest collection of books from the leading minds of today. I'm talking about the books that are bestsellers. I'm talking about the books that our guests recommend. For example, you can listen to Sapiens and Homo Deus by Yuval Noah Harari that Liz Parrish recommended in episode 30. You can listen to Zero to One by Peter Thiel that Michelle Longmire recommended in episode 28. Or maybe you want to tune into The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz that Yuval Moore recommended in episode 27. Just think, with Audible, you don't have to kick yourself anymore for not finding time to read or feel badly because you keep falling asleep when you're trying to read before bed. Maybe that's just me. With Audible, you can listen while you're working out, traveling, cooking, almost anything you do, Audible can do it with you. So don't wait. Check out our guest recommendations and then give Audible a try for free. Sign up today at digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash free. Now let's jump back to the conversation. John, I want to pick up on that point you made about not building for patients, but rather building with patients. There's a lot that Accenture's already invested in developing better ways of working to accelerate innovation in the health tech space. And I know last year, you kicked off a new program called the Health Tech Innovation Challenge. Doing a program like that is a significant investment of time and resources. And I'm curious, what was the driving force behind developing the Health Tech Innovation Challenge? What were you working to achieve? And how is this program different from other programs that are out there? Okay, fantastic question. So yeah, it's, it is a massive investment. The amount of effort and, and time and the rest of it that takes to put this together. And really it all stems from a book that some of you know, our, our global head of life sciences wrote, a lady called Anna Reardon. She wrote called Healthcare Disrupted. And in there she describes how the life science industry is evolving its business models into four different um, business models. One of them which is all around new health digitals. So this is describing the process where um, non-traditional players are moving into the life sciences and health space. So, you know, companies, you know, the big companies like uh, Google, Philips, uh, even Facebook are moving now into into the sector and, and they're going to start eating away at the market share, eating chipping away and become competitors to life science companies in a way which traditionally they've not seen before. Um, and then the, on the other side of it, you also have these new startups you know, led by entrepreneurs and, uh, and, and scientists, etc., who are really trying to change things through health tech um, and through, you know, uh, micro, you know, relatively smaller solutions and startups. And again, you know, for, for all of these different um, players, these, new, these different stakeholders who exist, there needs to be a symbiotic relationship. You know, they all need each other, really to um to help and and this is going to, to evolve into a new business model and so on the basis of that and and also by listening to you know some of the client kind of problems and challenges that they were talking to us about we wanted to create a program which would accelerate this to help facilitate this change and so you know when we look at what our value proposition for Accenture is it's really about you know providing that reach i mean we could have we could have set up a, a, an accelerator. We could have given away prize money. We could have done, you know, uh, X number of different things, which, 
to be frank, already exists out there in the market and, you know, what value would we actually be adding to it? John, that's actually one of the reasons I wanted to ask you about it because it is a very different program and a very different model. And, yeah. and I want to make sure that people know about what it is that you're doing and, and, uh, and how it works. Yeah. So what we wanted to do is provide that reach. So how do they get to the decision makers? What we hear, hear time, well, I, I, and I've been in the space working uh, with, with startups and health tech for a few years. Um, quite a few years. I had, you know, as we said before, I had my own startup. So what I know is that the biggest challenge that they have is really is, is getting into, into, into life science companies, into hospitals, payers, into, um, you know, to reach the right stakeholders to have those com- commercial conversations and to describe and, and create partnerships um, is really, really difficult because you've got to go through 20 different layers of bureaucracy. You get sidetracked by so many people, you know, wasting time, people who don't have the budget, the understanding, um, et cetera, et cetera. So what we can do as a company, um, you know, with our C-suite connections is really get those people, you know, in a room, match them up with startups and have those conversations. And we think that that is the, the best way that we can instigate change. And so how did it work last year? 2016 was the first year you kicked it off. Obviously, with your role, you were right there at the forefront putting everything together. So how does it work? And what were some of the outcomes from the first year's program? Okay, so we, well, first of all, we opened it up for startups to apply. And we based it around some large challenge areas, which you can read on the website. But there were mainly things like, you know, help me, um, help me with understanding real world data, um, help me um, have more access to medicine me with security and we, the response that we got was was overwhelming we had i think 503 startups applied to be part of the program which is a huge number of uh, of startups applied and we held um and actually that that created uh, an internal challenge as well because we needed to read through every single application to make sure that the ones that we selected to go through they they were given you know the correct sort of due diligence um so as you can imagine reading through a few quite a few hundred um application processes was difficult and we didn't give ourselves that much time we didn't think we'd get that many applications so i think we had about a week and um so this is where the power of accenture really helps is we ended up leveraging 60 people from inside accenture to help filter and process um all those applications so each one was read at least a few times and the ones that got through to the final were, were read uh, i think about three or four times and so um so we got the startups applying we got um i think 28 clients interested all represented by at least uh, c-suite level representatives and so they were fantastic you know they were you know passionate engaged really excited to to be part of it and we invited them to um two regional rounds uh, so one was in London and one was in New York. And at each of the regional rounds, we had 10 startups. Basically, uh, it wasn't, we didn't want to do a pitching, pitching competition because I don't think you learn too much from a pitch. And it's all based upon how well the company pitches rather than the idea they have. So if they have an off day, you know, you miss out on a good idea. And so we did demo days. So uh, it was called Demotion Derby. So we set up in a massive room and each one had a stand and each of the industry uh, judges went in a little team with some uh, senior Accenture executives. So these are people, you know, with 15, 20 years in the industry 
and they went around each of the stands and they had they spent 20 minutes with each each of the startups they got saw a demo they could pick it up you know they could try it on if it was a wearable thing they could ask questions and they went around each one and they got really you know stuck in and uh, got a much deeper understanding um, of course prior to that they'd also had a booklet which described what the um, what the startup was doing as well and then you know then we um then we went through a big a judging process, which was which was which was quite fun and engaging, and um, and we selected four startups to go through to our, our final round, which we then held in San Francisco, and we teamed up, we partnered up with Startup Health, and we were part of the Startup Health Festival, which um, if you've not heard of that, it's well worth you know checking out online. It's a phenomenal um, phenomenal conference that they do. Yeah, it, it coincides with the uh, the J.P. Morgan conference. That's right. Yeah, it coincides with J.P. Morgan uh, conference, and it's, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful conference. And um, and then they they pitched. They basically at that point they'd all of them had won, but they they went onto stage and they, they they we didn't have that much time, so they pitched to the C-suite executives. You know, you had you know CIO, the CEO, the CTO from from these huge big pharmaceutical companies listening in. Um, they could ask questions, and um, and then we selected um, some winners who became our innovation champions. And uh, it was uh, the winning overall winner was, uh, was a company called Queer, which uh, are a lovely company, very, you know, um, well thought, well thought out, who have um, basically connected inject- injectable device that you can plug a syringe into and, uh, and it tracks the injection. What was the name of that again, John? Queo. So that's Q-U-I-O. Queo. Okay. They're based down in the States. We'll get, find a link to that. But what can you tell me about how the companies, those winners, or any of the companies that com- that competed? Frankly, I'm sure you gave feedback to probably hundreds of companies. Is there any specific uh, like success that's happened? We're only six months in, but you yeah. know a- anything that's happened as a result of those uh, that that c- creative collaboration and collision that was happening through this festival and through this program that we can talk about now? Absolutely, yeah. So on the one hand, they got mentoring. Um, from Startup Health. So they really helped them with their value proposition, with their pitching material and all that sort of stuff. So they got, they got some real, you know, um, good, good feedback and good coaching from them. Um, they also got that from Accenture as well. So um, we, we, we followed up with each one of the startups and we did some pretty in-depth, you know, uh, post, post-event analysis with them and helped to sort of polish what they did and gave them some, some feedback. Then um, we've had some of them who have had follow-up meetings as well with some of the companies. So I'll give you one example. There's a company uh, here in Dublin actually got through to the final called Medex Note. It's a WhatsApp, a HIPAA-compliant WhatsApp. So there's a few of these sort of companies out there who are providing a similar service. But what put them kind of above the others is they have this really cool chatbot functionality within there. So physicians, doctors in hospitals, instead of using you know WhatsApp and it's you know not compliant with data, privacy and all the rest of it. Um, Medics know is integrated into the hospital IT infrastructure. So it's all very secure, but it also they can they can ask certain questions to the app and it will respond, the chatbot will will give the answers back. And through the program they've um, they've been introduced to the NHS and uh, they're now I think trialing it in I think it's three hospitals at the moment in, in England, which was fantastic. So um, that was a, that was a pretty positive positive result. From that, we're also we've also matched up a couple of the pharma companies with with some of the startups, and I, I don't think I can talk about who they are, but um, 
we're 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 actively involved in um, in that. We've run some run we've run some workshops, and the focus of this next challenge is much more upon that. So the first year was more about can we do it? Can we provide? Uh, can we can we get the startups? Can we get the clients? Can we get them in the room together? Can we do the process? And the answer was yes, we can. And this next year is about okay, let's do that, but let's take it to the next level. And there's a much bigger expectation on all the clients now that post event, you know, they will be following up with the uh, with the companies that they see and engaging with them and working on solutions with them. Excellent. So let's go through some details then. So there's no cost to apply. 503 companies applied. A few finalists came out to your event that you held out in San Francisco during the JP Morgan conference, which is a fantastic conference to attend anyway. And to get involved with the Startup Health Festival out there is a phenomenal opportunity for these, these companies to interact with that group of people. Um, did you cover their expenses to get out there? Not to get out there, but we did put them up when they were there. Brilliant. I mean, which, believe you, is pretty challenging to get yeah. out of the hotel in San Francisco yeah, when, especially... uh, when the uh, JP Morgan conference is on. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so that's a big benefit. They got some mentoring from Startup Health Launchpad? Yeah. They actually had the opportunity to join a Launchpad, but, but the, all the ones that got through were, were a bit too mature to join the uh, to Launchpad. So, um, gotcha. None okay. of them took it. And yeah. they got some mentoring from Accenture executives. Well, let's talk about next year and what you guys are doing, because I know I've got the, the website up in front of me. What's going to be different about this year, and how can people who are listening participate in it, both from a corporate perspective and from the startup perspective? Okay. So I think from a startup perspective, uh, we're, we're broadening it out. So it's not just going to be in Boston. Sorry, it's going to be in Boston instead of New York. Uh, it's going to be in London again. And we're adding an Asia pack round as well. So it's going to be in Singapore. So there's an opportunity there for, uh, for, for the Asia pack countries to, um, to participate and also for the, um, for on the client side of things. So, you know, we've got, we've got some big, uh, companies out in Japan. So I say, um, Astellas, for example, those types of companies can, uh, can get, can get involved this time around. There's much more emphasis this year going to be placed on actually working with, uh, with, with startups post event. So, you know, that's much, there's much more focus placed upon that. Whereas before it was more about the events, really, you know, the expectation going into it, there wasn't any expectation to actually work with, work with the companies afterwards. What, what sort of companies will the startups have an opportunity to interact with? So the majority of the companies, I'd say half of them are life science companies. Um, so if you, you know, it's all the big ones. And there were some notable exceptions last year of which this year has been addressed. So um, we're going to have some of those um, other big ones coming in this year. And until they've signed the, you know, the uh, release notes to say that we can, uh, we can publicly say who they are, and I don't have that information to hand. So I can't say who they are. I think most of the companies that were in last year will be in this year. Then there are um, companies like um, the NHS and Bupa. Um, so in from the European side and from the US side, we had uh, insurance companies, um, hospital groups, healthcare providers, um, companies like Aetna, um, companies like uh, Kaiser, Fomente, uh, CVS Health. So big, big, big organizations with a lot of um, to present a lot of opportunities to these startups. You know, any one of those would be phenomenal just to get in front of, let alone getting in front of 28 of them. I, I, I don't think there's another forum where you can get in front of such a, 
a kind of elite group of uh, healthcare pharmaceutical stakeholders. And I don't think there is another program which has the same level of people involved. Sure. And that's a great benefit as well as the fact that, you know, if you're a finalist, then you get out there to San Francisco during the JP Morgan conference and, and be a part of the, the Startup Health Festival. So those are, are great events to be a part of. I'm at the website now. The applications are open as we're recording this here. What are some of the deadlines and milestones people need to be aware of? First of September is the closing date. And then in terms of uh, you've got to just make sure that you can attend, you know, the regional rounds. So let me think now. 26th of October is Singapore. 3rd of November is London. And 9th of November is Boston. Right. Um, so you've got to go those, uh, those dates. And then the Startup Health Festival is, I think it's 8th of January. 8th of January. That's right. Yep. I sort of, I'm sort of cheating. I'm looking at the list on your website, so I sort of put you on the spot. <laughs> well, I look forward to seeing the success again this year. Maybe get some more great quality uh, applicants and some more engagement with some of the, the corporate participants and, and more success going. I appreciate you guys doing that and uh, making the investment because that is a, a huge cost and, and focus within your organization. So thanks for making that sort of innovative idea available to startups and, and also to, to corporates to help them see what sort of innovation is possible. Absolutely. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's getting those two, getting, getting, getting two worlds to collide. Absolutely. John, we're coming up to the end of our time together. I've got six quick questions I'd like to ask you. You have a few more minutes? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Fantastic, John. What is a saying, quote, or phrase that motivates you? So it's, it's not necessarily, it's, it's not a proper quote, um, but it's something I gave a talk on at um, PSFK conference, which is um, a New York design agency. Um, and that's about, uh, I think I believe, truly believe that restriction does create creativity. Yeah, if, if you have all the time in the world, all the resources in the world, then, um, you know, I, yeah, I think that's actually a hindrance to, uh, to being creative. What advice do you have for others working to innovate in healthcare? I think you've got to do the right thing. And, you, you know, you should know what that is instinctively. Don't be afraid to, to say no. It's not about repeating processes that don't work or continuing down certain pathways that just continue to contribute to waste or inefficiency or processes where patients come last in the decision making. For example, at the doc, we spend, we spend more time probably saying no to things than we do to saying yes. We, you know, we're not interested in pri- projects or clients where, who are only interested in ticking a box or, or taking a shortcut to get somewhere. You know, we want to work with clients who are truly interested in innovation and change and improving the world. So it's about having that courage to stand up and, um, and take your own route and do things you know, that you instinctively you know is right. What book do you recommend to our listeners? Uh, Healthcare Disrupted by Anna Reardon. It's an extension book, but it talks about how the life science industry is evolving into four different business models. And it's the book which gave birth to the Health Tech Challenge. Um, you know, it's one of the models that she identifies around new health digitals. What tech do you use that you wouldn't want to live without? It has to be Spotify. Um, as an ex-music journalist who um, uh, who's to be in, in a band and who um, I now have kids who play music. I'm absolutely passionate about music and I love exploring and finding new bands. Uh, Spotify is my, uh, I couldn't live without it. If I gave you a check for $5 million for you to invest in health technology today, how would you invest it? Uh, very carefully. Yeah, can I go with a fund? And if it was, I'd, I'd probably look to be part of Startup Health's second, second fund. 
Um, but it's not, I think it's a fantastic organization that we partner with. And I've known, you know, Unity for, for years and years. He's an awesome person. He's a founder of Startup Health. They're going through their second round at the moment, um, second fund. Um, but and I, yeah, I don't think I'd like to name a single startup, but I love, um, I love patients like me. I think they're a phenomenal um, startup that I introduced to, to Boehringer, and I think they're working, still working with them. Quio are fantastic as winners of the Health Tech Challenge, so I really like those. There's a fantastic company which got through, um, which unfortunately couldn't come to San Francisco, called Brain Control which is all about controlling a connected device through the power of your brain waves, through your EG. I think they're fantastic. I think that's got to be the future of something, um, even if it's just teaching people how they can be a Jedi by controlling things with their brain. And then a friend of mine works for Dr. Doctor in the UK, which is another uh, pretty cool company. So maybe spread it across those. Uh, well, hang on, John. It's only $5 million. Come on. You're investing <laughs> in a lot of different fun. places. It's only $5 million. Okay. Um, and last thing, we make a contribution to a charity in appreciation of your time on the show. What charity have you selected? And can you tell us a little bit about what they do? Yes, this one was a no-brainer for me. This is the CDLS Foundation UK. This CDLS stands for Canela de Lange Syndrome, which is the genetic syndrome that my daughter was born with. And it's, uh, so she was born with um, several uh, physical problems, um, gastro, and, and gastro problems, heart problems, bladder problems, etc., and uh, probably um, learning problems as well. So they're an organisation which helps with the diagnosis of this difficult, um, difficult condition, which is hard to detect, you know, uh, from birth. And kids go through several years of living in pain. Sometimes it's not diagnosed till they're, you know, quite, you know, sort of uh, uh, quite mature children, as it were, you know, eight, nine, ten years old. And so they, you know, really help raise awareness and education, etc. Um, we've done, uh, as a family, we've done all sorts of things to raise, um, to raise money for them. So it would definitely be them. Cornelia DeLang Syndrome. Okay, I've got it here. I will find the link to the charity that you mentioned. I will include a link to the charity in the show notes and we'll make a contribution on your behalf. So thanks very much for nominating them and their work. What's a good way for people to follow you and get in touch and follow the things that you're working on? I think through Twitter, through at John Pugh at Twitter is the best way or uh, just connect up through LinkedIn. And you've also got Accenture Health as a handle as well. And last thing is, John, anything else that you want to say to the listeners before I let you go? You know, people with startups, uh, with health health tech startups, um, please spread the word. Tell them to um, apply to the health tech challenge. It's free for them to do it. It's a great opportunity for them to meet some some really cool industry people from you know influential companies. Uh, it could change their lives. It could change uh, patients' lives. It could solve some big societal problems that we have. So please spread the word. Well, there you have it. That was John Pugh, Health and Life Science Team Leader for Accenture. Be sure to apply for the Health Tech Innovation Challenge. Applications close on September 1st. Get a link to the application and check out all the links to the things we discussed on this episode by visiting digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 35. Many thanks to our sponsor, audible.com. Check out the book recommendations from our guests and download your free audiobook by visiting digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash free. While you're there, take a minute to join the digital health community. It's free to do, and I look forward to welcoming you there. Tune in next week for my conversation with Mike Ryan. He's one of the most connected people on LinkedIn and a very experienced and successful health entrepreneur, consultant, advisor, and mentor. We have more great guests coming up, so be sure to get every episode by subscribing to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for tuning in and supporting this platform. Drop me a line and let me know what I can do to make this platform most effective for you. You can reach me on Twitter at HealthTechDan or email me at dan at digitalhealthtoday.com. That's all for me for now. Until next time, 
keep on innovating.